Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth. For the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys, as always. And today, it is time to dive into our first position preview of the offseason, of the preseason, really. We're transitioning into preseason mode, ladies and gentlemen. Although we did that last, we did, we, we did that the last time, that this man that is sitting across from me, was on this podcast. He's locked in right now, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, he's staring at his phone. He's really into this edition. Have you I have a question. Have you already have you already lost your enthusiasm for the upcoming season? God no. It's just actually starting to get cranked. Okay. I just want to make sure because last time, I mean I've I don't know. I've I said this on the last edition. I don't know if I've ever seen you more excited for an edition of the football podcast. Concerning, very concerning long term. But uh you were ready to go. Yeah. Someone's got to be. But I mean, oh, come on. I'm always ready to go. I'm born ready. On the football side of things. Basketball? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Of course not. Always ready for these editions of the podcast. Either one of these great podcasts. Uh, but look, man, you should be fired up because today we're talking about the quarterback position. We're talking about a guy that is, I mean, he's head and shoulders the best player on this roster, right? Like, I love me some Cedric Gray. Phenomenal player. Definitely a guy that's developed. But Drake May is the most, I mean, he he's the best player that Carolina has had. I mean, Ooh. Oh, this is going to get into a pretty controversial conversation. I mean, is he a uh, is he the top 10 talent all time? Apparently? God, that's not even really a question. Yes, he's probably... Top five? Yes, he's definitely in the same breath as Peppers, 
Lawrence Taylor. Choo Choo. You got to put Choo Choo up there. Um, Choo Choo for his time is up there. Like, yeah, like like Drake May's in the elk. He, okay. He, he's already the best quarterback in program history, even if he doesn't set records, like, for careers. He's going to have some, you know, he had, he had individual season records. Even if he doesn't break some of uh, Sam's records or, or Marquise Williams' records, this is the best quarterback to ever walk through the Carolina football program. And to be honest with you, it's not even really a discussion. Well, yeah, he he's the only quarterback to ever finish in – side of the top 10 in Heisman Trophy voting. So that pretty much tells you all that you need to know um, right there. You know, longevity and everything like that. But yeah, if you're t- if you're taking their careers, we expect, um, or, or do we expect, we should say, I'm doing a great job, by the way, of teasing a topic that we're going to have coming up on the show right there. I almost gave it away. Do we expect him to bounce back after the, slow, the uh, slower finish to last year? I've had multiple fan bases, <clears throat> NC State fans, who have said that uh, the end of last year showed who the real Drake May is. Do we expect him to bounce back? We're going to talk about that on this edition. We're also going to talk about the guy that's backing him up, Connor Harrell. What do we expect from him? Uh, it, you know, there's always the question of if a quarterback goes down, what do we think about the backup quarterback? We have to talk about him. Tad Hudson, uh, the freshman quarterback. We'll talk a little bit about him in the room, really just the situation uh, that he's in. And then the rest of the guys, uh, we'll mention those guys that are in that room. Uh, and we'll also talk about the Heels for Life concert that is set for August 3rd. Eric Church coming to Chapel Hill, doing a concert uh, that will help raise money for Heels for Life, the NIL uh, initiative that is currently at Carolina. Are we cheap? Are we cheapos? Are we yes. cheapos that we wouldn't be willing to spend the money on this event? Uh, and, and what do you guys think about this? We'll, t- we'll talk a little bit about that here on this edition of the podcast. But as I said, we're going to start with the man that despite some people saying that the last four games of last year were his downfall, is still looked at as one of the Heisman Trophy favorites this upcoming season by every major sports book, as we told you on the last edition of the podcast, by the way, if you're wondering what the lines are, go back and check it out. And that is Drake May. Take a look at his 2022 season a year ago. The guy that really you, you put a lot of the credit on his shoulders for the 9-1 and start a year ago. Um, he was simply outstanding. Uh, finished the season uh, thir- 342 of 517 for 4,321 yards, 38 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Also led the Tar Heels in rushing, 184 carries, 698 yards, and 7 touchdowns. Uh, most of that production, as I mentioned, came in the first 10 games of the season when Carolina was cruising all 10 games to begin the season last year. He had over 300 yards of total offense. The final four games of the season where Carolina fell apart, lost four straight, he did not have a single game with over 300 yards of total offense. So it shows you kind of the the, the ebbs and flows. Um Look at you know the, uh, uh, some other stats from that final four-game stretch of the season. Did not throw for more than 268 yards in a single game. Uh, that was a, a routine thing for him in the first 10 games of the year. Actually only had one game uh, prior to that four-game stretch to close the year where he had less yards than that. 
uh, passing. He had four, uh, just four touchdowns to four interceptions, far, far different from the way that he started the year. I mean, you got to think, to start the season in those first 10 games, 34 touchdowns, three interceptions. So an unbelievable start, taking care of the football, uh, but also finding the end zone. Uh, Four of these five lowest rushing totals came in the final four games of the season. So it wasn't just what he was doing through the air. It was also what he was doing on the ground. Uh, that you that that you saw the production going down, and then you look at you know the just the sheer amount of pressure that we, he was under late in the year. Fourteen sacks and eighty-four quarterback hurries in the final four games of the season. Um, honestly, pretty ridiculous. Uh, if we're being real, I mean the fact that you averaged allowing twenty-one quarterback hurries in. Uh, it, it, on, on average in those final four games is just stunning. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, we, we talked about it again at the end of last year, but now that you sit here and we're, and we're getting ready uh, to head into fall camp here in a couple of weeks, what do you make of the way that he finished last season? Is it something that you're still concerned about? Or do you think that that was really more about the parts that were around him? I mean, I think you got to be just somewhat concerned because that's the last thing you saw of him was him really struggling. But, like, if you go back and look at the Oregon game, which Carolina would eventually lose, like, if Drake doesn't play the way he played, Carolina gets blown out in that game. Now, they did get blown out against Clemson in the ACC title game. They were competitive against NC State. You know, losing that game and was a double overtime or at least overtime. Another game where if he doesn't play well, they had no chance. And then, you know, the the thing with Georgia Tech was you were up 17 to nothing and, and you go on to get beat. So I think the concern is because that's the last thing you saw of him was him looking mm-hmm. that, that version of himself. And I think the biggest reason why we're still, I guess, I don't even know if it's concerned. I think it's just anxious to see what he looks like, you know, in the opener against South Carolina. It's because you, you made an underwhelming hire at the offensive coordinator position that we don't know how that's going to translate onto the field. If it translates onto the field and Carolina's offensive line is what it was the first 10 games of the year last year, I expect him to put up good numbers and give this team a chance to win every time they, they, they step out onto the field. If not, and you're looking at and you're dealing with what you dealt with the last four games of the year, Last year, you're going to get the same result the what you got last year, which was a lot of losing. So, um, I, I, I'm not really concerned, kind of just more anxious because I think he's proven you give him adequate time, he's going to make winning plays on the field and give you a chance to win because he's going to put up the amount of points you got to put up given how this defense likes to give up points left and right. Well, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, you, you talk about who, what quarterback – out there is going to thrive under the type of pressure that he was under. I mean, you're talking about a dude that he he was sacked an average of more than three times a game, three and a half times per game in the final four games of the season. And under pressure, as I mentioned, 21 times per game. I mean, that's, that's insanity. Like, you've got literally no time to throw the football. And the way that Carolina's offense is set up, especially under Phil Longo, Maybe that changes a little bit under Chip Lindsey, and that's 
Honestly, that's one thing you wouldn't mind seeing is Carolina getting the ball out a, a little more quickly. We we had this issue, remember, we brought this up a lot, not really last year, but more so when Sam Howell was under so much pressure back in 21. We have to try to get the football out quicker. Phil Longo's offense, it was so, at times, it the the success was based on how well the deep passing game was doing hitting the home run plays that's the one thing that i'm hoping with chip lindsay's offense might be a little bit different i'm with you i'm not really as concerned as maybe some people would be look I, the the worst game out of the group was clemson that that was that was a brutal brutal showing um some of the decisions that he made especially in the red zone were not great um, but I think that the game that he had against Oregon, I think, should really help ease a lot of the concerns. Now, look, it was not a perfect game by any stretch. He missed a couple of throws. There's no doubt about that. But he also had some outstanding throws. The touchdown right before halftime was a laser. Um, and, I mean, for the most part, he took care of the football. He didn't turn the ball over. Um, I, I think that's a game that you can be you you can build on a little bit moving forward. Um, and the thing to the thing to me is, I mean, we just talked about it right there. Like the most talent in program history. This dude's too damn talented to let that happen again. And also, like, can we can we give? I feel like a lot of people don't think this is possible. Most people say, "Well, we saw what he was." Well, he had an off season to grow, right? Like, he had an offseason to evaluate his own game and make some of the adjustments that he needed to. He was not going to be a perfect prospect to do as a redshirt freshman. So, I think that you also have to look and, and, and say this is a guy that's going to make adjustments this year to counteract what we saw late last year, and maybe that is getting the ball out quick, quicker. Maybe that is trying to have conversations with Chip Lindsey and figure out, hey, how do we set up plays that, that can help us out if we see a lot of pressure early in games? What can we change? Maybe, maybe you know, the health of the running back room. Um, maybe a, a, an offensive system that's more run-based. Maybe that'll help out in some of those types of scenarios. So I, I, I find it hard to believe that this is not a guy that's going to take another step forward. Now, you mentioned... You know, the new offense with Chip Lindsey in there. One thing that we heard, and look, this is this is not really a discussion about the offense itself. We can talk more about that once they get into camp because we're doing the position preview here. So we're really just focusing on the actual player. How encouraged are you by the fact that you're hearing Mac Brown say with Drake, he's picked up the offense very quickly and it seems like he's also adjusting very well to not only what Chip Lindsey is bringing, but a guy like Clyde Christensen, who was a longtime NFL assistant who worked with guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Yeah, I mean, did you ask me how it makes me feel? Like, it doesn't make me it, – it, it, honestly, that's that's the expectation with this guy, right? Like, when you're being billed as what you're billed as, the – and, and, you know, in my opinion, the number two quarterback prospect in next year's NFL draft, like if you are those types of things, this this should have come rather rather seamlessly. And, and then 
And as much as he had a, a quote unquote a role in the hiring of the new coordinator, like yeah, you should be able to pick up on it and stuff like that. So I think it just really speaks to his commitment, his foot his, his football IQ, and the 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 desire and the determination to to help to help Carolina win football games again with him. You know, as as the quarterback, get back to Charlotte, which is going to be tougher this year. Because you don't have to worry about a coastal division schedule, um, but this time, you know, even if they don't win the conference championship, at least be more competitive in it. So it's kind of just what I expect from him. Because, like I said, he's the best quarterback to ever play football at Carolina. But I'm saying those types of things about you picking up a new offense and stuff like that should come rather e- easily. The only other thing that we'll say here about Drake May, and then we'll move on to some of the guys that are behind him. What do you say to the people that are concerned about him dealing with somewhat similar circumstances to what Sam Howell dealt with in his final year? We assume this will probably be Drake May's final year in in Chapel Hill uh, in terms of having to replace some of the production, especially a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, maybe – how do I say this and it and not come across negative against Sam? Mm. This is how you separate the goods from the great, is that if you're coming into the same situation and you handle it better than Sam Howell did and you're able to to make the guys around you better and be more competitive, I think it'll be a you know the case closed on that argument of Drake being a better quarterback than than Sam is. Um, and not, not to say that I didn't think Sam didn't try in, in his position. I think he basically had a team that was unmotivated after they got kicked in the mouth against Virginia Tech in the season opener, and he was like one of the only dudes out there fighting every down to, to give his team a chance to win. Wait, turn on the Miami film and tell me that dude didn't care. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that's going to be the thing, and, and the reason why I, I you know, I, I lean Drake over Sam and these types of – because I do think he has the ability to elevate guys better better than, than Sam Howell did, and so I think he can look at the situation and – maybe elevate some of the talent around him that he's got coming in this year. Like, you know, you bring in two transfer wide receivers that they're not from, like, wide receiver U universities or something like that. I think he's going to be able to elevate those guys. And if, if, if this Chip Lindsey thing works and the offensive line can can, can block at least for, for half of what they're worth, I think he's going to put up numbers to what you saw the first 10 games a year ago and – for the most part, we should have a fun feeling after we watch a Saturday of college football in Keenan Stadium. Well, let, here's the thing. Let, let's not I've, – I've seen – and this the reason I brought this up is that there are multiple people. And, again, most of these are outside the fan base. Most of these people are not within the fan base. A lot of people that are Tar Heel fans are pretty confident about the group that Carolina has at the skill positions. Um, first of all, if you go back to 21, can we agree this backfield is – I mean, miles ahead of where that backfield was in 21. Because you had lost both Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who were absolute studs. This group, you didn't lose anybody from a year ago. It's literally the same group. The only guy that's gone is DJ Jones, and he's he's playing safety. And, and don't think that's on accident either. Like, yeah, look, what, 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 what Ty Chandler did in that year was impressive. Like, he was, oh, he was yes. a really good running yes. back. Yes. But you're talking about a duo that – Right or wrong was mentioned in the same breath as Lindell White and Reggie Bush from the mid two thousand US USC teams. Like they they were the best one two punch in the country, and you lost them both. 
And, you know, what did I say all the time about Phil Longo's offense? It was a run-first offense. Mm -hmm. And even though Ty Chandler was a 1,000-yard runner, when you really went back and broke down his, his, his game that year, those yards, this they came in bulk. They were big games that compiled over the year yep. to make that number more attainable. Carolina's now got two to three guys that you feel comfortable saying, hey, if you got to tote the rock for us 10, 12, 15 times a game, we're comfortable with that. Oh, you and, you and say need- two you say two to three. I, I think there's five different guys that if you needed them to, to to run the football for you, they could run the football. And that needs to happen because yes. as much as we we trust the ball in Drake May's hands, Carolina's gotta be able to run the they gotta be able to run the thing. Mm-hmm. Because as we saw last year, as the season gets longer and you get more film and you pick up on more tendencies and you play you play better defenses like Carolina will with finishing their year with Clemson and NC State, it's easier to shut him down. It's easier to shut down any offense and stuff like that. So you got to be able to be multidimensional. If Carolina's got to throw the ball 40 to 45 times in November, we're probably not going to like the result. And you know, you know what? You know, you know what? Uh, when we'll break down that backfield coming up on the next edition of the podcast. Yeah, so we're gonna sure we're gonna guys, run it back. Yeah, there you go. So make sure you check that out. Uh, the other part, the other area where I think you you talked about wide receiver. I think that's probably a push. There there were there were some talented guys in that in that room in 2021 um, for for the Tar Heels at receiver. Now, I mean, granted, you know, we still didn't really know what Antoine you know. Antoine Green was going to be. He ends up getting hurt, um, or and and just not producing early in the year, and then finally breaks out later on in the year. But you had Josh Downs. I mean, it was still a solid group. This mm-hmm. group, I think, this group, top to bottom, probably deeper, right? Because you got Devontae Walker, who I like, I, I like a lot. One of the best guys that you could get from a mid major that transferred up. Uh, and and I mean we saw him in in the spring game. He looked outstanding. You got Nate McCollum, who was, I, I mean, o- had over 600 yards receiving at Georgia Tech. Who e- even though they're trying to modernize their system, still, you know, they're they're not the most air raid style offense out there by any stretch of the imagination. So for him to put up that amount of yards uh, is 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 pretty great. You feel like. Drake could potentially take him to another level. Kobe Pesor, um is a guy that returns along with J.J. Jones. Gavin Blackwell's apparently taking a step. And, you know, we're going to break them down more in depth too. But here's the thing that I think's the biggest difference, and you'll love this because you, you – I can't wait till we talk about this group of guys. I mean, when was the last time Carolina had a tight end group this good? Yeah. Three guys that can all produce at a high level for you? How big is that for a quarterback like Drake May? How big of a difference is that from the group that Sam Howell was having to do? I mean, it's it's night and day because a quarterback or a tight end is a quarterback's best friend. And, you know, this was something that I I pleaded with, you know, and this is I think this is the reason why Phil Longo went to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm was he was tired of hearing some short, balding, fat ass tell him you need to get your tight ends more involved, and he wouldn't do it until last year. And look at and look at the offense. I mean, their offense the first two months of the year was, was scoring 45, 50 points week in, week out. 
and 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 they played some really some really good defenses at, at certain points last year. And so you need to do that because and I think the thing that gets so lost in today's football where we want to see the ball push down the field and stuff like that. Those tight end routes, man, they soften up the defense and with the, with the different looks that Carolina can run out there, with the way that the, our, your tight ends can block as well, it makes it so much easier to run the football too. If if the defense is thinking, well, they got two tight ends, yep. But because we're throwing, we're still going to throw it. Hell no, we're going to we're going to run the ball down your throat. So, um, I think that's the thing. I think it's my biggest reason why I, you know, I wanted Carolina to swing big for the offensive coordinator hire, because I looked at I looked at the talent, I looked at the depth at every position, and was like, God, you you go get you go get a name, you go get a dude. We could really do some big-time things, and maybe Chip Lindsey can be that guy. Maybe Gus Malzahn was just a control freak and didn't want to let him do his stuff. I can believe that. But, <laughs> I, and, I can and, see it. And if that's what happened and you look at yeah. Gus Malzahn's track record, it's really not a bad thing to say because there there is talent and depth here that hasn't been here when Sam was here, top to bottom. Now that we have it, you know, th- th- this kind of feels, mm-hmm. I mean, like – Larry might be a stretch, but like when when Carolina went eleven and one, and then they had the the next year when they went eight and four, they had dudes at every position. You could just plug guys in, and they felt like they were going to produce. You kind of feel like you have that now, and you got the best quarterback in the history of your program. You get to do all this stuff with. So, uh, that, that's why there's so much pressure this year. Yep, to capitalize on it, because look, most years eight and four is good enough. You go eight and four, and you entertain me for four hours on a Saturday. I'm not going to be upset about it. Eight and four with this guy, depending on what eight and four looks like, I don't think we'll come away satisfied with this season. Oh uh, no! Well, this this could be a whole topic on the show. Um, eight and four this year with Drake May is disappointing. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, yeah, I, 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 I hate I, I hate to tell you if this team does not, because if you go eight and four, you're not making it back to Charlotte. Probably not. So that's disappointing. Yeah. No, no. You should win. You should win nine games at least. I I believe, and Taylor Vipolich tweeted this out the other day, and I could I could not agree more. Ten wins should be the expectation with a guy that's this good at quarterback. But because of your defense, that's probably where you land maybe a game lower. But yeah. Well, let's talk about the guys that are behind this very special quarterback, the guys that could be potentially uh, replacing him next season. And it starts with the guy that won the backup quarterback job pretty much midway through the spring. So there was a quarterback battle, believe it or not, this offseason for that backup quarterback job. But it was over so quickly, you probably didn't realize it. Connor Harrell, the redshirt freshman, he ends up winning that backup job and – I mean, you know, we we saw him in the spring game. He wasn't great. But, you know, to be fair, he's playing with a lot of second-string guys. It was really his first time playing uh, that significant of a role. Uh, The last time that he saw, you know, that many snaps. And, I I mean, I'm not going to say it was was meaningful. But, you know, in, in, in terms of what they normally do, um, you know, and I mean, he he was just practicing last year. He didn't actually see any game action. That was the first time in pretty much a year that he was in a legitimate game setting. Fans in the stands, everything like that. So, 
Um, I know there were some people that walked away a little disappointed. There's been some rumors that if Carolina, um, you know, if if things stay the way that they are right now, Carolina would potentially look to the transfer portal after the season is over to find their next quarterback. But to me, there's a reason why Connor Harrell won this backup job. When he was brought in, now, look, new system, but I still feel like for the most part, especially this year, because they're going to keep some elements from the prior offense. That's what Chip Lindsey has said. Uh, a lot of that's because Drake May succeeded with it that much. Um, Connor Harrell was a guy that was compared coming out of high school. His comp on 24-7 sports was Sam Howell. So he fit, he fits what Carolina's quarterbacks have been in the last few years, I, I think, I think we got to give this dude at least a shot. I mean, it's not nothing. I know you know Tad Hudson, and we'll talk about him more here in just a second. He, I, I mean, he's a guy that's far from a finished product, but for him to sort, I mean, for him to win that battle as quickly as he did. I, I think that speaks to something that there is some talent there for this young man. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, wasn't his comp coming out? Wasn't his comp Sam Howell when, when Carolina recruited him? I literally just said that. Yeah, Good okay. to see you're paying attention I, over I there, was, man. I was over here looking at something. Wow. So, like, if, if, you're, getting, if you're getting that comp coming out of, coming yes. out of high school— you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tend to think, yeah, this guy has a chance to be to be pretty damn good. You don't have to worry about Criswell. He's finally off to Arkansas, something we saw coming pretty much ever since the portal kind of blew up and you had Sam Howell and Drake May on your roster. We knew Criswell was not gonna be here. Mm-hmm. Th- this this is gonna be Harold to me had could be the guy that makes or breaks how long Mac Brown stays. Like if if Harrell hits, Ooh, man, wow, and and Carolina goes to a third straight quarterback, then maybe Mac Brown can stick around for three to five years. Something that he says he wants to do. Like he he doesn't see himself, despite as much as he complains, he doesn't see himself quitting anytime soon. He's still happy. That's what he uh, that's what he told Ross Dellinger earlier this offseason. So you know, and and look, Harrell's the guy that 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 as much as we we celebrate. Sam and Drake, because of who they are and what they've done. Yeah. He's the type of guy that could really say, okay, Carolina football is back in a healthy spot. Because then that's three straight quarterbacks that you've brought in that made you competitive. You know, one took you to a New Year's Six Bowl game. The other took you to a ACC championship game. And to be determined, we got to find out, you know. And and Harrell will be in a quarterback in an era with the ex, with the expanded playoffs, so there's more opportunity mm. for, for Carolina mm. to to get to such a thing. Mm. So, like, if if he's that type of guy, that's how you know that you you've quote unquote like arrived. Like, you look at the programs that Carolina should like try to emulate and and, and really try to say, okay, this is what we should compare ourselves to. Like in Oregon, they went from Masoli to Darren Thomas. That to, to, was literally the team I was thinking right. of in then, my head. Then you go to Marcus Mariota, and yep. now you know down on the line to Justin Herbert. Now you got Bo Nix. That's why Oregon for the last fifteen years has been, you know, the the sleeping giant of the country and and stuff like that. You look at Ole Miss and some of the quarterbacks they've brought in. Washington, that's Washington. another one. Yeah, I've always. And, and, yeah. and so, like you know, you can get the first quarterback. And a lot of times, if you get one, you'll get the second one. Yep. But can you get the third? 
I, I look at him and say he could be the guy that could be the third quarterback to, to really help stabilize and keep this program relevant. And if he is, you know, I, I think I think he could be what helps you look back on Mac Brown 2.0 and say, you know what, even if Carolina never wins an ACC championship or win a New Year's Six Bowl game, yep. you, we could look back and say, you know what, the Mac Brown 2.0 experiment, it was a success. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's and the thing is, is like, look, we're not expecting him to come in. You say he's the third quarterback. This is not going to be a linear progression. I mean, at least we wouldn't think. If it is, great. But we're not saying that, okay, this dude's going to then be better than Drake. Like, look, if he wants to be, all power to you. Go ahead. Um, but I think, I think there is a ch- – I've seen a lot of people – that are like, yeah, no no doubt we have to go into the transfer portal next year. My thing is, is look, I think there's enough talent. I, I said this when he, when Carolina landed him out of high school. I think he is more talented than his, his ranking as a recruit would tell you. I think he was a guy that was kind of done in by having to be a senior in high school during the COVID time where you didn't have all these camps, I think he probably would have been a pretty highly rated guy. I think he probably could have been a guy that participated in the Elite 11. That That's that's on the table for him. The talent is is there. Um, he's He's got some mobility, even more so than I think we knew about Sam Howell. Now, you know, Sam, I think, surprised us. Same thing with Drake. Um, we know that Connor Harrell can run. So you really wonder, can he take it to even another level once he eventually gets situated in the offense? That's the other thing, though. Last year, remember that the majority of the snaps in camp were going to both Drake and Jacoby because they waited as long as they did to decide the quarterback battle. Mm -hmm. So even during that time, Connor Harrell didn't get a lot of snaps with the with, with even the twos, let alone the three. I mean, you 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 don't get a lot of snaps. They're focused on the main guys that are going to play. So, and then once you get into the season, oh, it's pretty much the same thing. You do you do get some snaps, but this is really his chance to grow. So my thing is, before we jump to conclusions about the future of the program and saying, wow, they're going to have to go into the transfer portal guaranteed. Let's let's give this kid a shot. There's a reason that he. He was able to win that backup job as quickly as he was. Now, here's the other question about him before we move on. Do you trust him right now to be able to run this offense in a pinch if he has to? Because Carolina's had good health at the quarterback position. But as we've seen, and hopefully this is out of his system, um, we had a stretch last year where Drake May took a flying leap three straight games into the air and was able to luckily bounce up from it. The I mean, I, I think that's probably where most people are with you, that they're not quite there with Connor Harold just yet. But do the other part of it, do you think he could get there? Do I think he could? Yes. Do I do I have trust that he can? No, because I haven't seen him do it. And, Makes sense. And and you know, whether that's fair to him or not, I don't know. But you asked me a question and because Hey man, I asked you a question. They need answers, and I and I answered giving me it. Answers. So you know, um, let's let's pray to the football gods that Drake May stays healthy. And his, well, that's that's yeah. not how you pray. You know, and his sure. his leaping days are behind him and stuff like yes, that. Yes, please. Um. So yeah, no. I mean, hopefully, 
hopefully Carolina can do some things with some of their opponents like they should have done last year with App State and Georgia State where you put those games away and we can see Connor Harold on the football field and get a, get a vibe for him just in case. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, if, if, if he walks on the field at some point this year, I will probably soil myself in the stands. Wow, it's you paint a picture. You paint a picture. <laughs> um, we're just gonna move on to Tad Hudson. I, I feel like I feel like we we need we we need to just move move past that. Um, I mean, when it comes to Tad Hudson, I, I mean it's it's pretty simple. The guy is there to develop. Oh, this. Um, oh, I see. I I I love this kid. I absolutely love. Oh man, what what me he, and you. Me and you sort of he he is sort of differ a little bit on he him. is to this recruiting class or to this to the, to this part of the program what Nathan Elliott was. Oh just my an, god! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, this uh, this took a this took a dramatic turn. Just here. a guy that you know you there's talent there. Yeah, there is skill there um, that you hopefully can develop and stuff like that. Um, I don't think you'll ever see him on the field. Oh my god! But if you do, so how do you? Okay, I'm gonna look because I I love I love these types of guys. I love these dudes that because this kid probably grew up wanting to play football at Carolina, and, and he committed pretty early, so it's possible. You know, so he probably understands the reality of the situation that you know because of Drake May and because of Connor Harrell, the way that Carolina can re- recruit that position. There's a very good chance he might not ever play a meaningful down of football at UNC. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to see. Now we actually do differ here. I I have, and I've said this multiple times, and there are probably a lot of people that will not like this. I do have questions about him. I've seen him multiple times in person. I've called games of his on on WFNZ here, and I. Every time I watch him, I'm waiting for him to take. I was in high school. I was waiting for him to take over a game, and I just never saw it. You just, it just wanted a tad bit more from him. It it just was not there. And there's talent. There there is a lot of talent here. Your comparison to Nathan Elliott. No offense to Nathan Elliott. I believe. Did he did he just get engaged? I think I saw on social media. Maybe it's on Threads. It might be on on there because I found some people that I haven't seen in years on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook that are suddenly popping up. But I am I believe he may have just recently gotten engaged I don't or know. something. I, so congratulations to him if that's the case. As a single man, I don't celebrate the success of other people's relationships. Wow, you're a horrible person. Um, But no offense, Nathan Elliott was literally a guy that was just added to the end of a recruiting class. That's not Tad Hudson. Tad Hudson was a four-star prospect. I mean, Nathan Elliott was a track star. He was the guy that they built. That is true, yes. He's a runner. He's a track star. Yeah. Um. But Tad Hudson, no. You built your whole class around this, dude. He was the first guy to commit. So... Uh, no, he. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. But what I do think is that look, there is a there is a lot of room for him to grow. Um, and I guess I mean I. The, my my question to you was gonna be, did it concern you at all that he was beat out so quickly by Connor Harrell? No. I'm gonna assume really. No. But you're not concerned because you just don't think there's anything really there for him. I just I I, I think this is a kid that. 
is he committed so early because it's probably his dream was to go to school here, get an education here. I mean, he had a lot of other D1 offers. So do, don't don't do I think he will ever play a meaningful down of football in Deck Carolina? I do not. And that's not a bad thing. Well, but I, I it is with their 2024 quarterback being a guy that's a, a huge boomer bust guy, a guy that's ranked outside of the top 1,000. So yeah, I mean, you know, the, but yeah, they. I, I mean, I always see value in these types of in these types of guys, uh, where you bring a kid in and and you and you develop him and stuff like that. And look, in today's era, you're probably developing him for another program. But, you know, I still see value mm. in this type of recruiting and stuff like that and this type of coaching. Um, and I, I, like I said, I, I think Harrell's going to be a pretty good quarterback after we get the, after Drake May is done with his time in Chapel Hill. So I, it does not concern me that he got beat out. Very so you're close. just a big Harrell guy, which I mean, is fine. Is, is fine. Like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I definitely think Connor Harrell has a chance to be a great, I'm, I'm a, a really a, good player. I'm such a, a Harrell guy. I'm, I'm on a first name basis. I'm a big Graham guy. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about Graham. Did you Harris. just did you just say the Purdue offensive coordinator? You're yeah you you guys you guys are really really close. Rig, really big Harold guy. Yeah. You can't even get his name right. Yeah, big Connor. Big Connor guy. Yeah, big C. Connor with an E, dude. But uh, yeah, Graham, that's something. Graham Harrell. Yeah. Probably should be our offensive coordinator. Okay, stop right there. Stop right there. We've already had this debate. Uh, no. Um. So okay, so there's there's your top three guys. The other two guys on the roster, your guy. I don't know if you knew that he's still there. Jefferson Boaz still hanging out on Elite the roster. The big man, Gordon Seinholder. The big man. Um, he's also had some fantastic moments in the spring games. Dude can motor for for a big old tall fella. Um, I got to be honest with him. I'm shocked he hasn't gone any anywhere else. I get it, Carolina legacy guy, and and and. I give him a lot of credit for wanting to wanting to stick it out at Carolina. I always thought in high school he 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 had what it takes. He he could be a legitimate quarterback. So I I you know if he wanted to transfer somewhere else, yeah, it's, I'd it's love it's to see it. Amazing he hasn't surried out of here. Um, you know what though, that's a that, that's horrendous joke. <laughs> but I'm gonna give you credit, surried. Where did he actually come from? What high school? East Surrey High School. Oh, man. That's why I made the joke. Wow. I just wanted to make sure you got the right Surrey. Yeah. Because there is North Surrey. Oh, man. And wow. Then you have Surrey That's on great. Phone. That's great. Now, what about, okay, what about our guy, second year as a walk-on as well, local guy, Russell Tabor. Can you tell me where he played his high school football? Local guy, so local in the Charlotte community? Yes, yes. Is a Charlotte is a Charlotte guy. How many guesses do I get? You get I'll give you I'll give you two and then I'll give you a hint that may help you out a little bit if you can't get if you can't get it. Okay. Yeah. What's, what's the hint? No, I'm saying after two. Uh all right. Um Charlotte Catholic. Ooh. No. But Close, close, close. They play in the same conference. Think a type. Of, think think of the type of school. Private school. Mm. Mount Island Charter. No, no. Little too little too low. Little too low in the classification. Um, 
So yeah, private private school top classification Providence of private Day. schools. Now, Charlotte Country Day. Well, you know, so there I got, you go. I got the Russell, Charlotte and the day. Yeah, so. yeah, not bad, not bad. But yeah, Russell Tabor, he is going to be on the roster again this season. That rounds out your look at the Tar Heels quarterback position. And now we got to transition. Our last topic of today is going to be um, one that popped up here this past week. So just for a little bit of background, because this episode is is going to come out actually before we go out to this concert. Or no, it'll probably be coming out right as we're getting ready to go to the concert. Um, we're going to Luke Combs at Bank of America Stadium, where the Tar Heels will be playing their season opener on September 2nd. There you go. Nice way to tie that all together. Uh, we're going there um, on Friday night. Uh, we are recording on Thursday. Um, but there was another country artist that had a concert announced earlier this week. And interestingly enough, it is going to take place on campus in Chapel Hill. Eric Church who is is a big-time Tar Heel fan, especially on the basketball side of things. He is going to be holding a concert at Memorial Hall, Carol, uh, Carolina Performing Arts. It's, it's their largest venue inside of the Carolina Performing Arts Center. Venue holds 1,434 people. Uh, the event is set for August 3rd. We'll start at 6.30. All proceeds will go to the Heels for Life. Now, this is the part that we have to talk about. Actually, there's there's kind of there's kind of a two part two, two parts to this. First of all, the venue we'll talk about, and what about the ticket prices? Because the ticket prices are pretty insane three hundred seventy five dollars, all the way up to fifteen hundred dollars mm. for a ticket. Are we are we cheapos that we feel like we can't really afford to buy the ticket? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, we work we work part time in radio, so yeah. Okay. And and for some subtext, we we are going to be season ticket holders again this year, so. You know we've got that already on our plates. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, this is this is a this is a great idea, and I get the the idea is to raise money. Tremendous idea. Um, wouldn't you make more money if you put the concert in the football stadium? Well, there you go. That's that's the venue put, part of this. You could put you know fifty thousand people in the stands or whatever. Like you could probably have more people there than you'll have for the home opener this year because Eric Church is that. Is that hot of a commodity? Okay, slow your roll. Slow your roll. So you know, it, watch yourself. It 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 was a it was a tremendous idea. Yes. And we expressed interest in in, in going, and then you told me the price, and my <laughs> credit card said no. Well, so. first of all, I did not realize that, and the the ticket prices make more sense when you find out that it is in Memorial Hall. I I was of the belief. That this was going to be in the stadium. That's why I didn't really understand. I was like three hundred seventy-five dollars, like especially yeah. if you're sitting in the upper deck. But that's my thing. Would would it not have made more sense to put it in the football stadium? Like here's here's the question that I saw a lot of people tossing around. 
What is the price that you would have paid to go see Eric Church in concert? Most of the time, like if if it's here in Charlotte, would we pay 150 bucks to probably go see him? Probably not. But since it's for the Heels for Life, it's the NIL Collective, it's our program, we'd probably spend a little bit of extra money, right? I think 150 which you brought up when we were talking about this last night, I'd spend that. I'd go 150 Yeah, like the max I'd probably go because he's considered the best entertainer in country music today. I enjoy his music. Like the most I'm willing to, to go would probably be two hundred. Mm, okay. But, but you know, okay. like you know, like one fifty. This the, the, this this would be this would be a no brainer. Um, now this is a great idea by the, the by the for the heels for life Definitely. collective and Definitely. stuff like that. Um, because he is, I guess he is the the, the program's adopted son or or whatever. So you know, and the thing is, is that this will be sold out. This will be full because, you know, I, I, I know his following on Twitter within our fan base. People will spend the money to, oh, go, definitely. to go and see him uh, put on a show and stuff like that. I just hope that maybe they they heard some of the, I, I, I guess this complaints might not be the correct word. The voice it's displeasure. More of I, it's, it's an idea. It's ideas, right? Not and, really displeasure even. Just ideas of how to expand it and make it a little bit better. Yeah, if you want to do it next year, put it in the football stadium, cut the price in half, and you'll have more people there, which means more money. And one less time for Mac Brown to complain about the NIL collective in a press conference. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, okay. So Eric Church, Eric Church is off the table moving forward. They do this event next year, whether it's at the football stadium or or wherever. Who would be the next person that you would want to see be a part of this event? Uh, I mean, because they like to keep it local, and Luke Combs has shown up for certain stuff. Mm, would he do it though? Would he do it? I mean, he is a Tar Heel basketball fan, so maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you put him—he's a big the, App State guy, though. Put him in the Smith Center, you know. Let let, let him see basketball. Yeah, wouldn't royalty. be bad either. So Luke Combs. Um, I said one. So is that your guy? Yeah, because like like Morgan Wallen, if he's coming to the Carolinas, he's not going to Chapel. He's I don't coming, think he's a Tar Heel fan. Is he's he? coming to Charlotte. No, he's a Tennessee fan. I don't care. If yeah, forget for, forget that. Forget um, that. I feel like it's got to be a Tar Heel guy. I would say the one that probably J Cole. J Cole was who was I was going to go with. That that one's going to pack. You you put J Cole in Keenan, fifty thousand definitely. No you know, question. You know that was my nickname in high school. J. Cole. Oh, I heard it was uh, J. Cold Cuts. <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh, okay. I heard wrong. Because I was so cold on the basketball court, you know, it was just J. Cole. Yeah, because you could never hit a shot. Um, All right. So there you go. Uh, we'll see moving forward uh, if this is something that sticks around. But, yeah, I think we, you speak for both of us when you say that uh, this, is a, this is a really cool event. It's a really cool way to raise some money for the NIL Collective um, and I, I think, you know, if, if you guys can can get out there. The other thing for us, it's going to be definitely a challenge having to drive up there, um, potentially having to, you know, get a hotel, everything like that. And that's also kind of our crazy time of the year with everything that goes on uh, in terms of like Panthers training camp, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you can get up there. 
please encourage you uh, to do it. I know Drake Bay has a link to it on his social media page. So make sure you go and uh, check out the the Tario Quarterbacks uh, Twitter page, and you can find out all the information there for that event coming up. Again, August 3rd, event will start at 6.30 p.m. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Hey, guys, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Tons of recruiting stuff going on over there right now. Uh, We're going to have the in-depth previews coming back. We'll go even more in-depth than we did right here on the podcast uh, to break down these guys for the upcoming season, break down this roster for the Tar Heels this upcoming season. But as I mentioned, podcast side of things, we're doing this for every single position group. We're going to do it for um, you know all the offensive position groups, defensive position groups, and we'll also do special teams. We're bringing that back. We did it a couple of years ago. Last year, we went with the you know offense, defense, and then special teams. We feel like this year we really want to go in depth because there are uh, you know so there, there is so much turnover. There are so many transfers that are on this roster. So we really want to give you a deep dive. Uh, on this roster and uh, get you guys ready for this upcoming season, a big one for Tar Heel football. So make sure you keep an eye on the website, uh, both the podcast page and uh, the news page for all of those breakdowns uh, to get you ready for the season. Of course, we will be, uh, as we get into the preseason, bringing back the uh, Mac Brown press conference takeaways. We'll also, of course, uh, be getting you guys some of our favorite articles of the year. Those will also be podcast as well uh, with our breakout players as well as our bold predictions for the season. Those are always fun. We love bringing those to you, and you guys seem to enjoy them a lot as well. So make sure that you are keeping an eye on all of that. Um, and in terms of the basketball side of things, Carolina landed James Aconquo. Make sure you go back and read that. Um, there is a guy, by the way, that is <laughs> that is in the transfer portal uh, that committed to Tennessee, then decommitted, transferred from Harvard, who averaged almost 18 points a game last year that, uh, hmm, you never really know. Could the Tar Heels potentially take a look at him? This roster never feels finished. And if for some reason Carolina does look into him, uh, or, or, you know, regardless of if they stay put, Josh is going to have you covered with all the offseason stuff that you need around the basketball team. Believe it or not, the season is going to be here before you know it, so make sure you're keeping up uh, with everything going on around the program, and you can do it over on the website. Once again, HeelToughBlog.com. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go talk. want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.